Good afternoon and welcome to today's uh, Mental Health Matters podcast. In today's episode, I'm with my friend Kia, where we discuss what it's like living with depression and anxiety. Kia speaks candidly about how this impacts on his day-to-day life and expresses openly the vicious cycle he often finds himself in. Good afternoon, Kia. Thank you for joining uh, today on today's Mental Health uh, Matters podcast. I really appreciate you um, taking your time out to discuss with us this really important um, subject. So today I'm going to be talking with Kia around the issue of clinical depression and anxiety. Um, so really, just to kick off, Kia, a really straightforward question. What's it like living with uh, depression and anxiety and could you give us um, an overview of what it's like on a daily basis for you well that that varies a great deal mm. um, since I've been retired it's been quite a lot easier because I haven't had to deal with things like going out to work or or trying to, to hold down the job which always used to make things a lot more difficult but um, some days I can wake up in the morning and struggle to get out of bed other days are perfectly fine so it it doesn't follow a pattern and there's not necessarily a warning Mm. Um, so I might get up in the morning and everything seems to be going really well and then I'll hit a wall really Um, this blackness will just descend Mm. or this lethargy um, things will just it will begin to feel like trying to swim through treacle and then everything is just just gone. I can't do anything. I can't face anything. Um, I can't make myself something to eat. Not that I'd be interested in eating anything anyway. Um, and life just all of a sudden will cease to have any appeal or or meaning. I think there I'm dis- describing like an extreme episode. Mm. Um, more, the more sort of in between. Perhaps the more common thing is 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 just losing interest, mm. losing interest in what's around me, losing interest in the things that I normally enjoy. Mm. Um, and when it's that kind of milder. Um, episode I can still feign interest (laughs) I can I can still go out and meet friends and appear to be okay and then I get home and I'm just knackered from the effort of it all and um, I'll just need to to go to bed literally go to bed curl up in bed and hide away from the world yeah and so you said that it's like hitting a brick wall do you so it varies from day to day do you do you get a sense of when that wall is coming or does it is it literally just like oh that's out of the blue 
It could be either. Um, the most frightening times are when it just comes out of the blue, and it can mm. just um, just be out, out completely out of, of nowhere because the people say, um, what are you depressed about? Well, I'm not depressed about mm. anything. No. Um, I'm not anxious about anything. It just is. It's just how it is. Mm. Um, now, there can be times when I, I know that there is a a cause or a trigger or, or whatever. Um, and those times I can kind of see it coming. Um, but often as not, it's just completely out of the blue. Mm. And um, you were saying that sometimes the i think a good way of putting it is on on some days you have to put on a brave or you feel like you put have to put on a brave face and that can be quite tiring um is that something you find yourself doing quite frequently is it something you've learned um is effectively to put on that brave face yeah um you have to keep you have to eat you have to drink um that means you have to go out shopping for instance although there have been enough occasions when i've been in the middle of morrison's say and um i've just stopped Mm. um in the middle of morrison's and just sat on the floor uh they know me in my local morrison's (laughs) And they and they look after me. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but um, I'll I'll still I'll still try to engage in in my social life because that that can help to lift me out of it to some extent. Mm. Um, so I'll go out and play petanque, but. Um, Sometimes, sometimes that's therapeutic and helps me. Other times, I just come home at the end of the day and, and I'm just exhausted from mm. from the pretense. So your your feelings can vary quite uh, a lot from day to day in regards to mm. how it's impacted on you. So what you touched upon there was sometimes your social network can be of benefit to you. Do you find that your friends and family and other other social aspects of understanding of how of your of what you're going mm. through and how you feel oh certainly yeah 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 um it's less it's less helpful at the moment because they're out of reach yeah but in normal times yeah yeah and you said they're out of reach and that brings me on to this area of it because i wonder with someone who's who suffers with depression and anxiety, how is the lockdown situation uh, impacting on that? Does it, as it, uh, have you felt that it's made it worse? First time round, that March lockdown last year, um, that was really bad mm. uh, because I was um, I was on my own. Uh, couldn't go out 
that made me start to get depressed, which made me less inclined to go out even for the permitted daily exercise. And then you get into a, a vicious spiral, really. Um, so that first time round was 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 hell, quite honestly. Um, I didn't see anybody for weeks on end, really. Um, I was doing my shopping by click and collect, so the only person I was seeing there was whoever was was handing over the the shopping. Um, this time round, it hasn't been as as bad, partly because um, the government's introduced the idea of bubbles over the course of the last yeah. the last year, um, and I've been able to form a, a support bubble with my partner, and that has has helped enormously. Um, but also because I've kind of have learned over the course of the last year that I need to look after my mental health. Yeah. And so that means that um, I've got to kind I, I it's okay to define some things as essential that might not appear essential on the surface. So um, meeting up with a friend to go dog walking. Yeah. Um, although, even though that involves going outside of my immediate area, I've I've accepted that that for me is an essential activity, mm. and and so I do it, and and that helps. Yeah. You know, it's once a week maybe, but I get to interact with some dogs, and yeah. that's you know that's very therapeutic um i get to chat with another friend um and and get out in the fresh air a bit so this time around it hasn't been so bad because i've learned how to how to relate mm. to lockdown um and of course yeah I'm, I'm able to meet with my partner which which helps enormously but you have to learn, and you have to um, you have to allow yourself to to do things. I'm I'm a stickler for rules, and I, I actually think that's part of the whole syndrome for me. Um, so I've found the pandemic difficult because I've always thought, no, that's that's the rule. I've got to stick to it. Um, but you have to forgive yourself. You have to mm. to allow yourself a certain amount of leeway, because looking after your own health is essential. And do you find it? Do you find it difficult to forgive yourself? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's been a lifelong issue mm. for me. And and you know, I I have been been told, you know, in a clinical session that that I've got very low self esteem. Um, and so I, I, I think I see rules as a way of knowing that what I'm doing is, is acceptable. There's a rule there and I'm following it. So I know that I'm okay. Um, I see, I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> it does make sense. It does make sense. Um, and so 
I've always thought of myself as as lazy and incompetent and not really somebody that you want to be around. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So for you, yeah. the depression, uh, part of the depression, anxiety is quite a uh, an in, a negative internal thought process of yourself. Would that be fair mm. to say? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, yeah. it's quite difficult to it's quite difficult to get out of that mindset when certainly when your um, your mood is particularly low. I would imagine. Near impossible. Yeah. I can yeah. understand that. And on the anxiety aspect of things, and I would imagine the depression side of things, we earlier in the segment you talked about the difficulty of being able to hold down jobs, um, and mm. the aspect, um, the impact it has on your uh, social life as well as perhaps relationships. Have you found how has how has the anxiety in particular? Uh, impacted on those types of things and could you give us uh, an idea of what it's like when you're feeling particularly anxious in those types of environments whether it be work relationships what what kind of feelings do you do you go through um fear panic um paralysis <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes almost physical paralysis um like I described uh, you know, in, in Morrison's earlier, I mean, that's, that's an example of, mm. of, of a panic attack, of anxiety becoming overwhelming. And um, my response very often is just to shut off. Um, I've actually got it on my, my phone, on the emergency thing on my phone for emergency services. Um, I just um, stop communicating, stop interacting with the world around me. I know that they're there. I can hear everything that's being said and understand it, mm. but I can't respond. Um, but it's like being in a kind of cocoon. And... Um, that will happen even when I'm on my own here in the flat. Um, sometimes I'll find myself moving very slowly around the flat, unable to get up perhaps um, from the settee um, because in some way that I can't put my finger on, I'm, I'm scared mm. of... I don't know what of. I'm not scared of anything. I'm just scared. Mm. Um, and then when there is something that can have an effect, like the stress of being in a work situation, that multiplies it. Um, so there's something there in the first place, this ability to to just become scared of nothing in particular. Um, and then you add the stress of a work situation or a social situation sometimes. Um, and that 
that will then make it so much more and that's when i will just kind of often just either just seize up and cease to function or can't go out to be in that situation in the first place so the number of times when um when i've woken up in the morning on a work day and i've just not been able to go into work because i'm just so I think terrified is not too much a word of of the situation or I've maybe been at work and I've just had to walk out mm. or if I haven't walked out then I've gone into that kind of shutdown mode mm. so that must yeah I mean that must be incredibly difficult and have you found that it has impacted on relationships with families and friends like I think a lot of people will be able to relate with anxiety. Um, I know that I've had anxiety in the past, and perhaps not necessarily to the extent that you you suffer with it. But I know that when I was anxious, I found it at times quite difficult to put myself in a, a sit- social situation. Um, and that would, that would get me to a, a stage where I thought, you know what, I really don't want to go out of the house. Does that, is that something you sometimes struggle with? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned relationships and I'm sure it was a, um, a a major factor in my, my marriage breaking down. Mm. I'm sure of that. Mm. Um, with, with my children, less so they've, they've been very, very understanding, which, surprises me because they had to to live with this all through their childhood Mm. um um, social situations it depends on the social situation um i avoid things like parties yeah um but i'll happily go out um you know to a petanque competition Mm. um and socialize there um, and I'll happily go into a football crowd of 20, 30,000 people and feel mm. perfectly all right. So there's not necessarily a, a pattern. No, I can kind of understand that. Maybe it's because those situations are particularly familiar. So with a party, there's going to be unknown people. You're not sure how the particularly how the party's going to go, what type of party it's going to be. Whereas with those things, you kind of, you've already built that camaraderie with those people. Um, and yeah. you, you know what's what's coming if you like. So I wonder if that's. I think that's potentially a that's part of it. probably true. There's also the fear at a party that they might expect me to dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Mind you, watching Charlton play probably doesn't help your anxiety <laughs> at the moment. Well, no, because that's a known. That's, <laughs> that's a known true. situation. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people will be able to relate with some of those uh, things that you've described around anxiety. Kia, could you, with with uh, the, 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 the clinical depression and the anxiety, is this something you've uh, suffered with all of your life or is it just in your adult life? How long has this been impacting on you? Since I was, it really kind of came to the surface when I was about 16, 17. Right. Right. So that's fifty years ago. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's um, been a long time. You've been. Yeah, I think it was around before then as well, but it hadn't kind of shown itself, you know, mm. really. 
So when you are in these situations, because you have been very candid and I really appreciate it around the what happens when you are when you hit that wall, when your uh, anxiety is really bad. You gave the example of when you've been in Morrison's. What do you have any coping mechanisms that you put in place? How have you kind of learnt to deal with it? Um, <laughs> well, one answer is I haven't. Um, okay. Well, I have. Um, and when I see something coming, I can, um, I can do things like breathing exercises to lower anxiety and that kind of thing. I can avoid situations that I know are going to be particularly stressful and all that. But when it comes as out of the blue like that, then it doesn't matter what coping mechanisms you've got mm. because it's hit you before you've had a chance to, to put those mechanisms in place. Mm. Uh, and that's that for me is one of the, the most frustrating things because, mm. and I suppose it's a negative way for me to look at it, but it, it makes it more difficult for me to hide it mm. <laughs> um, from, from, from friends. Um, I don't want to hide in a situation like this. I don't want, to hide it. I don't want to hide the fact that it happens. But when it's happening, I want to hide the fact that it's happening because mm. I think it's confusing and distressing for the people around me. And it makes me feel worse because inside my little cocoon, I'm just getting intensely um, embarrassed as well as distressed mm. so it just kind of it makes it worse so yeah. there are coping mechanisms yeah but sometimes they're they're next to useless or completely useless mm. and during a depressive episode when it's kind of one where i'm just kind is maybe fairly mild and i'm sort of getting on with life to some extent the the things that i know that will help require a level of motivation mm. um going for a walk helps but you can't be asked to yeah. get up and go for a walk you know that kind of thing and one of the most frustrating and frankly, annoying things is the number of people who will tell me, give me advice about what will help. And it's, it's well-meaning people. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry if any people are watching this. Um, it, you know, I think, I think this applies to a lot of people. I've spoken to other people, you know, in the same situation. You know these things. You know these things will help. Mm. Getting exercise, eating well, um, meeting friends, whatever it may be. You know these things will help. Uh, and you would you would be doing them yeah. if you could, you know. Um, it's no good suggesting effectively you try not being depressed yeah because that's, that's if just only it was that easy eh? yeah yeah if it was that easy none of us would 
would be in the situation. And Absolutely. what it the effect it has on me, I don't know about other people, is it increases my feeling that I'm a fraud. Mm. And that's another aspect of this whole thing because I can't point to a blood test or um, you know a broken limb or whatever it might be mm. to show that I've got this illness. Um, I I tend to think that I'm making it up. Mm. I don't at the moment because I'm not experiencing depression. But when I'm in that situation, I convince myself that I'm making the whole thing up. And when people tell me that I could do certain things to feel better, like going for a walk, and I I don't do it, even though all I've got to do is put a pair of shoes on and go out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, that increases that feeling that I'm just kind of making it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is another thing. It's all, the, the whole thing to, to me is about a series of vicious cycles. Mm-hmm that just keeps getting this feedback and it just get what gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I was going to say vicious um, cycle because it probably also feeds into that negative thought process that you have of yourself. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's what that's as as well-meaning as advice can be and maybe it'd be interesting to see what you think about this question is that <laughs> Sometimes, like you say, the advice side of things can be counterproductive in the sense of you kind of already know it. But the point is, because you're in a uh, because you're suffering from depression or anxiety, it almost is impossible to take on board that advice. So do you find actually sometimes just somebody listening to how you're feeling can be really helpful and therapeutic? Yep, it can. I think that's one of the most effective things. For me, I, I'm I'm a very tactile person, so somebody touching me mm. will help. And of course, that's been out the window for the last twelve months, and that hasn't helped. And I'm sure it's true of a lot of people. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, you know, j- just just putting an arm around me and that kind of thing, can holding my hand, whatever that that makes an enormous difference, mm. much more than saying anything in particular Mm. Um, and listening doesn't need to involve saying anything I think people Mm. perhaps feel they have to fill the silence Mm. with something Mm. Um, and they don't you know maybe a few nods and yeses and so on but nothing has to be said for me I can't speak for other people who have the same the same illness i can only speak from my experience but um from what other people have told me that's i think that's a fairly general kind of reaction i think it is i think you're absolutely right with that sometimes that uh that arm around the shoulder and just a listening ear can be all that person needs in that moment i think that's a something that a lot of people who um, are going through similar things would certainly agree with definitely. Well, you 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 know that yourself. You've been a Samaritan. Well, yeah, that's true, and that's one yeah. thing you do. You certainly do learn. Is uh, there's a there's a famous uh, quote uh, 
All advice is bad advice, apart from good advice, which is disastrous. <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but yeah, it something I yeah. yeah, I haven't heard that one, but that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes yeah. Uh, listening is is uh, very important, and giving that opportunity for someone just to express how they're feeling, um, because ultimately it's that individual's feelings. Um. So Kia, in regards to um, obviously this has been going on for a long time throughout your your life um, and you do have coping mechanisms in place um, but sometimes when that as you put it that brick wall comes up you could have all the coping mechanisms in the world it's in that moment it's not going to make a, a huge amount of difference is what I'm hearing from from what you're saying in regards to uh, in the moments when perhaps your depression isn't as bad or your anxiety isn't as bad is what have you is there anything that's been done through the doctor's side of things are you on medication do you have any therapy or anything like that medication is is my main kind of yeah um support mm. at the moment um i think we've well we've we finally found something that seems to be keeping the the anxiety suppressed um, it had got to the point a couple of years ago where I couldn't lie down, I couldn't sit down because if I did, I couldn't breathe. And that was all anxiety related. I had constant butterflies. Um, but, and we found a medication that took that away. So there's a level of stability there, but mm. it doesn't eliminate it. It just makes it livable with. Um, I'm on antidepressants. I've got no idea if they're helping or not, but they don't seem to be hurting. So right. Okay. I keep I keep taking them because you don't know. You could you could be quite depressed, but they could be helping because without them, you'd be even more depressed. Yeah. So you 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 know, um, in the long term, I just don't know really whether they're helping. Except that I came off them um, unilaterally a while back and. Yeah, I did get worse quite, okay. quite quickly. So, um, I've had I've had attempts at various kinds of um, talking therapies in mm. the past. Mm. Uh, for me, they haven't. Well, they have helped, but not enormously. Mm. So I've gained some insights, mm. um, which have given me little kind of bits and pieces mm. of coping mechanisms, which I. I um I use, and um, I suppose an understanding that what I have is an illness, um, and isn't a characterful kind yeah, of thing, absolutely. which is you know what the the devil on my shoulder is always yeah you know trying to tell me that it is. Um, What interestingly, what I what I know would help me enormously at the moment would be to have a dog. Okay. Um, because it's that um, companion mm. and a relationship there with with someone who who gives you unconditional love. Mm. Um, and uh, um, 
I've got permission from my landlord because I live in a housing housing association flat. Okay. Um, to have one, but it might prove impossible until after this pandemic mm. to actually make that happen. There seems to be an enormous demand for rescue dogs at the moment. So, but mm. could um, be something positive on the horizon. But, um, but that's something that you know my my psychiatrist has. Um, as agreed, would be a positive move mm. as well. So I think the, the kind of therapies that might be available, you know, don't have to be drugs. They don't have to be seeing a, a professional. Mm. They can be something as simple as having a, a pet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or a young child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose that that's a really good, that's a really interesting point because I, this is the thing I think when people have uh, mental health issues is that what's what's effective is different for different people yeah absolutely Um, and I think that's really important for lots of people to understand so for some people like you point out having a dog will be hugely impact uh, have a huge positive impact on their mental well-being but for others therapy others medication some a mixture of all of them so I think that's Mm. uh, but it works both ways Sean as well because yeah, you get different things having a, a negative yeah, impact yeah. as well as different things having a positive yeah, impact. So you can't predict from person to person, I think, you know, what is going to to be a trigger mm, for them. Absolutely. We're all unique in that sense. Mm. Um, that's a really, really, really good point. Um, so, Kia, I just wanted to, before we kind of wrap up, I did want to just, it's kind of going back a little bit, but I'm really... Uh-huh. I'm really intrigued about the uh, the feelings side of uh, of things. So, in in situations where in social situations in particular where your anxiety is at its highest, would it be fair to say that you go through? Because obviously, anxiety can often bring about negative thought processes of yourself. Do you feel like when you're you are uh, you're most anxious that people are being judgmental of you do you do you have these thoughts that people are thinking of you differently mm. yeah. yes yeah yeah and, absolutely and, yeah, yeah. that must be quite yeah. a difficult process to go through see people it doesn't help that sometimes you've got clear evidence that mm. they are because um sometimes people seem to think that you've become deaf Mm. (laughs) Um, and I've had more than one occasion for instance when um, an ambulance crew have said things like oh they just think it's a these people just think it's a bloody taxi service you know Mm. as if I frequently have a desire to get a taxi to A&E so that doesn't help Um, but I know that for most people um, they're not having these negative thoughts, but nevertheless, because that's how I see myself, then I project it onto my friends. Yeah. Um, that that must be how they're how they're um, seeing it, and that is it's, that's very destructive. And that's one of the reasons that I found for me um, an effective form of, of therapy has has been to not try to hide 
mm. fact that I have this illness. Mm. Um, not to shy away from calling it mental illness because that's what it is. Yeah. It's an illness that is cited mentally. Um, I, I try to avoid using terms like mental health problems and so on. Okay, that's interesting. If other people want to describe themselves in that way, that's fine. But I'm clear about myself. I'm, I'm mentally ill. Yeah. Um, and by being open about that with myself and with other people, that helps to, to erode this idea that people are judging me negatively. Yeah. And it helps stop me judging myself negatively as well. Mm. Yeah, I can really understand that. I think that's a really, I think that's a really good message to anyone who's listening. Actually, that perhaps, and you know, like I say, it's different for everyone, of course, but but perhaps being open about how you're feeling and not being afraid to talk about these types of things can have a real uh, beneficial uh, impact, not only on your own well-being but of those of others, because. I have no doubt there will be people listening to this who, although not exactly the same, will be um, going through similar um, yeah, situations. Yeah, and not to be afraid to accept that there could be weakness involved. Yeah. Um, we kind of build it up as though it's wrong to be weak. Yeah. Um, I've got friends who could lift a lot more weights than I could. Yeah. Um, you know, that doesn't make me a lesser person than them. Mm. Um, and emotionally, I've got friends who can lift more weight than I can. Mm. Um, you know, some of us are naturally not as strong as other people. Mm -hmm. There are things we can do, whether it's physically or emotionally, to build up that strength. Mm. But I think there's an innate level of strength in the first place. Yeah. Um, and we shouldn't be ashamed of having less strength than other people because we're probably better than them in other ways. Mm. Um, you know, another thing I've learned is to be honest with myself and other people about being good at some things. Yeah. You know, at first you start to feel, oh, I'm being, you know, I'm being boastful. I'm not, you know, I'm being immodest, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's, poisonous because mm. you're prepared to admit that you're bad at things and not mm. prepared to admit that you're good at things and that doesn't help your mental health at all no absolutely and we all have our strengths and our weaknesses and actually yeah i think that's a good uh message to to end on is that being vulnerable is a strength in itself being uh, emotionally available and being vulnerable is a strength in itself and breaking the stigma um, of mental health is uh, really, really important. And I think that you've, what you've done today, Kia, b b being so candid and open will undoubtedly uh, have helped others. And I hope in some way that it's helped you to be, uh, to talk about this oh, as well today. Um, so I really, really appreciate it. So before we go, Kia, is there anything that you, any message you wanted to give to anyone listening today about who may be going through similar uh, things to yourself? I, th I think it is about trying to be open, but probably it's easier to do that with just one person mm. to 
to well that and that could be a friend or it could be a complete stranger mm. it could be picking up the phone and and calling samaritans mm. you don't have to you don't have to be in immediate risk of suicide to to call samaritans i think that's, yeah, that's true yeah a, a misunderstanding that a lot of people have it is, it is. um for some people it's easier to talk to a stranger for some people it's easier if that stranger is down a phone line or on the other end of a text message. Um, for some, it's easier to talk to a, a friend or an acquaintance, but choose choose somebody that you can open up to. And it won't be easy to do that, no. but it, it, it will almost certainly help. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And I'm not a, a keen one on giving advice, like we said, but there's one bit of advice I'm happy to give to anybody listening, and that is it's good to talk. It is good to talk, so please open up, and we can help to break this stigma. That's a really good message to end on. So thank you, Keir. Thank you for being so open and candid. It's really, I really appreciate it. Um, and um, thank you for coming along and sharing all your thoughts and feelings with us. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Thank you.